All right. I've got two brothers, and they're both standing up, not sitting down. I mean, there's four people standing up, and half of them are my brothers. <laughs> and the other one is Harry, and I, that does not surprise me. <laughs> Hallelujah. If you, if you just want to take your last few minutes, and, uh, and, and as we're talking, if you need to get a fill-up, feel free to, to stand up and grab a fill-up during our, our time. I want to set the table a little bit, and you can excuse the pun, but, but I want to set the table a little bit for today, and I have to sit down. Oh, yes. My wife is afraid I'm going to keep walking. But I, I want to share with you a couple verses for, for a backdrop of, of today, we're celebrating the goodness and the faithfulness of God. And I want to read to you two verses, and then I'm going to give you an exegetical breakdown of every word in their original language, the picture language, the, the tenses. I'm going to pull a Pastor Nelson. But in Psalm 119, verse 90, it says, Your faithfulness continues throughout all generations. And today we're celebrating the faithfulness of God that is passing on from generation to generation. God does not change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And when his faithfulness enters the scene, it establishes and maintains throughout all generations. And we are a church of generations. Pastor Nelson is my father-in-law, as many of you know and the generations, and we have our children. And actually, Pastor Nelson's parents attended the church for a number of years as well. And as we look around today, there's many generations and families that are here representing one, two, three, some of them even up to four generations. And so we're a church of family. We've been talking about one of another recently, and part of that is community or family. So we want to have a time of celebration. The second verse that I want you to see is in Psalm 145, verse, five, or verse 4. And it says, Let each generation tell its children of your mighty acts. So today we're going to be telling each other of the mighty acts of God. Amen? amen. You're allowed to say amen at the table. You're allowed to speak at the table today. <laughs> I know, and my manners are you don't put your elbows on the table and you don't talk while you're eating. But today, you can shout amen every once in a while. But we want to have each generation telling the next generation of the goodness and the faithfulness of God and his mighty deeds. This church is a miracle. And this church is not just what Pastor Nelson and Pastor Louise have poured into it. This church is you and me. This church is all of us. And we all play a part in the success or in the, in the enjoyment and the fellowship of this church. In fact, church means called out ones. Church refers to people, not a building. So we're going to celebrate today. We're, we want to take some time to honor our past. So we're going to have a few slides that go up later on that uh, Pastor Winona is going to share. But we want to celebrate our present. And we want to embrace our future. Yeah, Amen. So why don't we take one moment, because I'm not sure if Pastor Brenda blessed the cake or not. Did, did you, Pastor Brenda? Oh, my goodness. And you're eating cake and we haven't blessed it. Oh, no. I'll ask for forgiveness first, and then I'll bless the food. <laughs> Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time that we can be together, Lord, to celebrate the goodness and the faithfulness of you. And Lord, we're also celebrating what we are together as family and as community. Lord, we thank you for the, the food, the coffee, the juice. And Lord, I just pray that you'd be with us, that we would celebrate and we would glorify you in all that we do. And Lord, even as we sit here now fellowshipping, I ask for miracles, yeah, come on. Lord, to drop on each table yes. 
and to infiltrate the lives of the people sitting around the tables. Lord, that you are evident and you are present here now, even as we partake in a service like this, and that your power and that your presence is evident in our lives. So, Lord, I ask, God, that you would just pour out even now and as we share for the next little while, and that people would actually get healed by your presence and by you just habitating and you being with us now. And forgive us for eating cake without blessing it. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. We're a church that is built on the goodness of God. God is good. Amen. Look at someone at your table, if you don't have something in your mouth, and, <laughs> and look at somebody and say, God is good. God is good. We've been, we're a church that's built on the consistency and the surety of the word. We are a church that is built on the word. We're a church that's built on the presence of God. The powerful, real, tangible presence of God. A presence that in the Bible, when you study the presence of God, there are instances in the Bible where people could not stand because the presence of God was so strong. And I believe in that. I believe that when God's presence and comes, it can actually overwhelm and overtake us. We're a church that's built on the supernatural, the impossible. Because whenever you possible, read the first two letters, I am possible. Talking about God. And what God makes possible is for you and I to see as possible. We're a church built on God encounters and transformed lives. Whose life has been transformed by the power of God? Amen. It's the power of God that transforms life. And I'm interested and I'm passionate to see the power of God transform life. I've gone to church all my life. I grew up under a pew. I once threw up in church. My mom took me to the women's bathroom to get cleaned up. I was so embarrassed. And I've seen in church, sometimes we come and we just want to hear a sermon. I'm not interested in a sermon. I'm interested in the power of God. And as we spend time today, I'm sure you're going to hear that. As we, We're going to take a few moments. We're going to ask Pastor Nelson and Pastor Louise in a couple minutes to come up. And we're going to ask them some questions. And I'm sure that you're going to hear the passion for God's power this morning. Because the only thing that I have seen transform lives is the power of God. Principles are great. But until you get to meet the person of Christ, it only takes you so far. But Christ is the one that changes lives. Once and forever. And so that's what we're built on. That's part of what we celebrate is lives. Attra- I expect to hear miracles of the impossible in each one of you because that's the God that we serve. We're a church that's built with each other and on each other. When we bought this facility, we, we worked on this facility, renovating it. And in the course of three months, we spent over 3,000 man hours renovating that other facility, the, the old schoolhouse, and that was by a lot of people in the church. That wasn't hired stuff. We did hire, but we had 3,000 man hours on renovation. That, this church, this facility, was built on the backs and on the knees of people. I remember Charlene and Adrian pulling staples out of the floor in one of the classrooms. We're built with each other, side by side, elbow to elbow, in the mud, and in the good times. We're a church that's built on sacrifice and generosity. So that's just, that's all I've got to say this morning. Yes. I'm I'm waiting for my other brother to shout it out too, but that's okay, Stephen John. You can just, 
But I'd like to ask Pastor Nelson and Pastor Louise if you could come. And, and why don't we honor Pastor Nelson and Pastor Louise this morning? Amen. They planted the church 37 years ago. And we've got some slides, we've got some questions, and uh, I think Pastor Winona, you've got the slides, so why don't you start? And I'll try not to interject. Well, uh, Pastor Daniel was remarking about the drum set, and uh, when Justin and I were going through all the old pictures, and I don't know if you remember this, but there's a, there was a big old flowered quilt draped around the drum set to muffle it because my grandparents were like, it's too loud, it's too loud. <laughs> so how many of you were born at Solid Rock? Stand up. If you, if you were born at Solid Rock, if you've never been to, if this was your church from the time you were born, stand up. I know there's more of you. Come on. Hi, Bella, I see you. Yeah, and I know there's a large portion of them all gone out into the other building. You may sit down. How many of... <laughs> That's awesome. awesome. How many of you were married by a Solid Rock pastor? Can you stand up? <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. Wonderful. You may sit down. So, uh, in 1981, our family, my dad graduated from Portland Bible College. <laughs> that is us here. You can have a look at that. There you go. You. There you go. Then you won't have to. That was us. He graduated May 1981. And then, uh, then the team was sent out. Here's another one for you to enjoy. Solid Rock team was sent out. They were commissioned at Bible Temple down in Portland, Oregon. And Pastor Louise, um, but you can hold the mic if you like. How many were in the original team? Can you? We had um, two outside of our family. We had two married couples with little kids that were running everywhere. Little, little duffers, <laughs> real small. And we had two single men. And we had our family. Uh, Winona was 16. Brenda was 13. Leonard was about six, I think. And uh, Michelle was five. That was our team. It's awesome. You can see Michelle in the picture there. You can see Michelle in the picture there. Um, I'm just going to skip to slide four, Cora. I'll go back to three. So this was our. This was the first building. This is Fern Ridge Hall in Langley, 200th, up in Brookswood. So, um, Pastor Louise, maybe you could tell us what did we encounter almost every Sunday morning when we arrived at that building? Well, the building doesn't look like a whole lot, but a whole lot of people had celebrations there, a lot of anniversaries. I don't believe there were weddings, but anniversaries. And so when we would go on the Sunday morning, which we were paying rent for this facility, there would be the banquet tables would be all set up, all the plates would be on the tables, all the leftover alcohol would be still on the tables, and nothing would have been left the way it was supposed to be left. So the smell alone <laughs> made it <laughs> rather uh, not a place where you'd really, really want to be. So that's when, um, when Pastor Dick Iverson uh, suggested to Nelson that we better find a new place. <laughs> <laughs> and we did. And we did. Uh, we cleaned it. So we had to clean that facility before church, air it out, have ch set up for church, have church, and then put everything back the way it was supposed to. My funny memory about that building... Um, was um, the little toddlers that we had. They were probably two and three years old, and they were boys, and they were busy. They were off the charts busy boys. 
And this is a small building, and we didn't, there wasn't a nursery, it was a hall, so we kind of said, you know, could we use this storage room as a, as a nursery? And they said, sure, that's great. So we would take all the chairs out of it Sunday morning so that we could have it as a nursery. Well, it was so noisy in there that you could hear them out in the, in the, in the main hall area. So Pastor Nelson decided he was going to, he got permission, he carpeted the floor, the walls, and the door in that room. And I think we actually went back years later for an event, and we went into that storage room, and it's all still carpeted. So if you happen to be at Fernridge Hall in uh, Langley, check out that room. That was is our old nursery. Is it the, is still there. The building's still there. It is there. still there, wow. yeah. One of the things, we were talking about generations, and uh, my grandpa was not a Christian. And uh, we came home from Portland, and the first few services we actually had in our home, and my grandpa, uh, he came, and grandma, and he was determined he was going to support his son and his daughter-in-law and his family, and he was going to do this church thing. And uh, we got to see, I think that's one of the greatest fruits of, of, for me, is to see grandpa change over the years as uh, week after week, he would come and come to church and be involved in, in the church community, and he got saved, and it was just beautiful. And the, the memories that my children have of their great-grandfather are impactful, and they're different memories than I had growing up just because he had gotten saved. Can I just share one thing? You sure can. Um, Winona was a um, worship leader right from the time <laughs> she was 16. And we wondered how Grandpa was doing because we sat at the front, right? So you couldn't see how Grandpa was responding. And I remember Winona saying to us, he's standing there with his arms raised and tears running down his face. Yeah, yeah. He encountered Jesus. It was amazing. Um, then in the mid-'90s, uh, we bought our first building. And Cor, if you could put up uh, slide number five. Actually, sorry. Yeah, Okay. Slide number five. Does anyone recognize this building? Does anyone know what this building was before it was our church? Go ahead, shout it out. It was a funeral home. <laughs> it was a funeral home. And uh, does anyone know where it was located? Mount Lehman. What's there right now? A roundabout. So every time you go on that roundabout, that was our church. Uh, when they took a look and they toured the facility, there were coffins in the basement room, and one of the gentlemen went and laid in the coffin, and then when people came into the room, surprised them. Yes. I actually have a picture of that. That was actually uh, Sean's dad. Yeah, Sean's dad. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> Pastor Nelson, um, can you tell us uh, briefly the miracle, <laughs> the miracle of purchasing our first building? Well, we had first of all rented that building uh, when we moved from Langley to Abbotsford. That's where we went to that particular building. The first memorial services owned it, <coughs> and we tried to purchase it from them. They were very difficult to deal with, so I, I just forgot about it. And we had moved several times. They asked us to move from there, and then so we moved from different place to different place. Um, then a realtor said to me, uh, did you ever think of buying that building on Mount Lehman Road? I said, yeah, but they're difficult to deal with. They said, well, they have it for sale. So we had about 35 people in the church. I think we had $5,000 saved. Uh, <clears throat> and he said to me, how many people do you have in your church? I said, under 5,000. <laughs> he says, no, no, how many people sit in the chair? So I told him, 35. And he says, well, they have it for sale. So what are they asking? Well, $350,000. So we have 35 people with children. We have $5,000. So we actually made an offer 
we, we, we made an agreement with them for 350000 <coughs> and we had to raise $100,000 in two months in order to qualify for the mortgage. So the Four Square Church pastor had had a heart attack, so they shut the church down. He joined us. So I, c I couldn't raise a nickel. I can give away a nickel, but I can't raise a nickel. <laughs> uh, so I, I just let him do the raising. And so the day before it was to close, we were sh the, the, the government said we, we need the GST because it was used for commercial use. So that was like $21,000 we had to come up with in that day. So by the end of the day, it came in. Yeah. Uh, a church of 35 people buys a building for $350,000 that only had $5,000 in the account. And so that was a that was a miracle. So <coughs> but it was a miracle because prophesied it was prophesied into existence. When we were in Portland, we went to a presbytery meeting. That's where people lay hands on people and prophesy over them. <coughs> and the prophet picked us out of the congregation and said, uh, he said, you're going to plant a church. I said, yes. And he said, well, God tells me to tell you not to worry about land and buildings because he's got them reserved for you. This is our third So, <clears throat> there's one thing that I have learned through this, and that is this. Adversity builds your future, not success. Adversity has a way that God uses to make you who you should be. And... Uh, um, in S Pastor Dick, he said a couple things to us before we left Portland. <coughs> so I want you to remember that people leave churches. And the second thing I want you to remember, he says, is that pastors are not going to accept you. And the third thing is... Hmm, always give God an opportunity. Don't ever count God out. Even though things don't look like they will work out. So he said, you need a facility? I said, yeah. Then go look. For 13 years, we looked every year. Very faithfully. Just obeying what he told me. <clears throat> the other thing that I learned was this. I learned that the, the, the person who God put in oversight over me, always had the answer for what I needed when I couldn't figure it out. The, um, if you can just put the next picture up, Core. We had uh, a work bee, and how rewarding was it do you have that picture? I think you do, of putting up that first sign on our own property, hey? Yeah, Solid Rock. Yeah, that was our first sign Christian Fellowship. that went into our first property. It was like the goodness of God and the faithfulness of God. It was amazing. Mm -hmm. And every building after that, as Pastor Nelson said, was a miracle. Salton Road was a miracle. And uh, we, uh, we actually sold that one to the city because, as you know, they put a road through it. And at Mount Lehman, and uh, that enabled us. They, they uh, gave us what we were asking, and we were asking a lot, and that enabled us to purchase Sultan Road, which, Cora, if you want to put that one up, and we purchased that one in about 2000, and we had lots of fun things happen there. What you're looking at is, um, here, guys, sorry. You're looking at, we had a big community fair and uh, we invited the community out, and we blessed them, and we put on singing and shows, and I don't know, we had a dunk tank, and it was fun. It was a good time. 
And uh, then this building, again, is a miracle. And uh, we won't go into that miracle today because that story is very involved. But if you're ever curious about it, you can ask Pastor Daniel about it. And again, the goodness of God, the faithfulness of God, and what God has spoken, he will perform. And we see the fruit of that today. Can I interject one thing? Sure. When we had that fair, um, Cleo wasn't very old at all, but she made a quilt to be auctioned off at the at the fair because everybody had things to auction off. And she, I would say she was about 10, maybe, something like that. And um, everything was auctioned by silent auction. So you didn't know who was bidding on your project. So unbeknownst to, uh, er, no, backtracking, Cleo finally said, Daddy, I want you to buy it back for me. I don't want to lose the quilt. It was supposed to go to an orphanage or someplace. So Daniel was bidding on it with his number. But unbeknownst to Daniel, Winona found out what Daniel's number was, and she bid against him. And what did you pay for the quilt, Daniel? $500. (laughs) Yeah, never go to an auction with Pastor Daniel. (laughs) All right, we've got a a few questions, uh, Pastor Nelson, Pastor Louise, to ask you. We'll start with this one. Uh, Dad, how did you receive the Holy Spirit? How did he encounter you? And what did that picture look like? What time is it? <laughs> uh, well, I had gone many times forward at these joint meetings that churches had, and some powerful preachers laid their hands on me, and nothing had ever happened. And everybody else around me is getting filled with the Holy Ghost but me. This, this went on for three years. And I had such a passion to, to just be baptized with the Holy Spirit. But one day I came home from work. Uh, I had my own plumbing and heating business. And I sat down, had supper, sat down on a chair, and boom. The Holy Ghost just fell on me right in my living room. I could never figure out why it had to happen that way because it seemed like I was an oddball because everybody else was receiving it this other way. So I struggled with that for a while, but then I learned, years later, I learned this one principle. God wanted me to know that he was sovereign and I could receive whatever I needed from him without anybody else. And (coughs) that is one of the things that as you pray over people or you lead congregations in, you lead them to receive in that manner and you instruct them, go home, and in your home, you can sit in your chair and receive. That's right. So God was preparing you back then for what you were going to release to the generations. Sometimes we don't understand why things happen the way they do, but God knows everything. And he doesn't let us know everything because we would just program it. And it wouldn't be by faith, and it wouldn't be an activity of the Holy Spirit. It would just be a program. Uh, <clears throat> those kind of things uh, are not learned in a classroom. There's a school of the Holy Spirit that is not learned in college. And it's the greatest, he's the greatest teacher in the kingdom of God. And so sometimes what we learn by the Spirit doesn't line up with what we believe. Then I had a choice. I either had to believe what I believed or I had to believe what the Holy Spirit was teaching me. Now, mind you, it has to be based on Scripture. It can't just be some fly-by-night idea that I had. And that that required of me to seek God. And so after a year or two after starting the church, I drew, I drew a conclusion in my mind. Number one, if I, don't, I said to God, if we don't have your presence, 
I'm going to lock the door. Mom and dad, I'll start with you, mom and dad. This will be the same question for you. But what is the most important thing in your relationship with God? And then uh, what is the staying power with your relationship with God? So mom, you first. Um, the most important thing for my, me, myself, was when I grew up, uh, a consistent, stable, uh, devotional life was very, very important. And I had gone to a school that taught us to have devotions, and, and that carried on. And in our ministry, the same thing, that um, consistency with God, hearing from God, and I believe one of the most important things is the study of the Word. And that's always been very, very important to me, and I love delving into, um, you know, like after you've been a Christian for 60 years, uh, the words get old, right? So I love going in and delving out what the Greek is and figuring out what the Hebrew is because that gives me a new richness to the Word of God. What has been the... Um, staying power for me it is been my belief that God is always and I mean always 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 a good God yeah. always a good God if you don't understand it and if you can't figure it out it does not change God yeah, not at all and and I think that that has to be um, if we're talking about generations here that has to be passed on to all the generations God is always faithful. Dad? What was the question? <laughs> <laughs> By the way, next Sunday, Mother's Day, we have a very special treat. Pastor Louise will be preaching. And uh, I don't know if I've ever heard her preach, but I certainly have seen her notes. And uh, so I'm looking forward to that. The question was, what is the most important thing in your relationship with God? And what has been the staying power with that relationship with God? It's a hard question to answer. What's the most important thing in my relationship with God? <clears throat> is who he is. Who he is what he knows, what he's able to do, what his will is, is all important. Everything else is secondary. Uh, my belief system is secondary because I learned from Scripture, the Apostle Paul, who was inspired to write books, said, oh, you know what, I just know in part. And, and I just want to say something to you guys right now. Uh, don't ever be locked into who I am and what I believe. Because I notice that through generation, God changes things, and you need to be open to the changes that he will bring. And it's an honor to be under your oversight. Uh, <clears throat> the other thing that's important is his faithfulness. Uh, Faithfulness only becomes really real when God walks you through your valley. That's when faithfulness is really real. <clears throat> so faithfulness to every generation. How do we walk in the faithfulness of God? Well, he puts his faithfulness in us. Let me explain that. There are times... When I woke up Sunday morning, exhausted, tired, no word, didn't want to go to church. And I'm the pastor. <laughs> That's real. But I get out of bed, have a shower, get dressed, go to the office, and the Holy Spirit appears. Changes everything. God's faithful. <clears throat> Condition and adversity should never, ever allow, never, ever allow it to you 
for you not to trust the faithfulness of God. We learn faithfulness in two ways. One, first through adversity. Secondly, through his presence. In other words, I'm in this condition right now, but I'm going to do what I need to do, whether I feel like it or not. And God says, he honors you. His faithfulness kicks in, and all of a sudden, he's there, and he gives me the word for the, for the morning. And I often wondered why he did that. Like, why won't, why won't you tell me on Monday? <laughs> and I learned that I'd probably muck it up. So, I, so to me, my relationship with God hinges on two things. <clears throat> Not just his presence, but his manifest presence. And I'd like to share something right now. When I shake your hand, this is for all of you. When I shake your hand, do you know what happens? I can feel the love that God has for you. Awesome. Try it sometime. It's, to me, his manifest presence is not just his presence. It's actually the expression of who he is, his love, his peace, his long-suffering, his gentleness. Um, try it. Awesome, awesome. Uh, Mom and Dad, you both had tenacity for the vision and plan that God placed in your hearts. And if you don't know it, Pastor Louise worked as a registered nurse for many, many years while Pastor Nelson was pioneering the church. So you both had tenacity in maybe in a different measure or different expression, but for the same goal. You didn't give up, and now we can see right in front of us the fruit of that, plus the many lives that we've touched that are not here. What is one piece of advice that you could possibly give to a younger generations, myself included, about fulfilling the vision that God has put in their hearts. So what, based on what you've experienced, what is one piece of, in, of advice you could give? I think being willing to pay the price. You have to stay there. You have to stay there. I had to go to work, whether I wanted to go to work or not. 12-hour shifts, 12-hour shifts, 12-hour shifts, and you're really, really tired. You've got a family, and we're building a church. So I think, for me, was just the stick-to-itiveness. Don't know where it came from, but I'm sure God gave it to me to stick through the hard times and um, difficult times that we had throughout the years. Um, just the fact that um, realizing that the hard times develop develop your character and for all you young couples that are really uh, struggling right now to get homes and to get your on your feet and with your children and the difficulties you face stick stick with it Amen. god will bless you for it what other choice do you have <laughs> i mean that's the question i have to have, ask myself so you're tired you're miserable you don't feel very good, and you don't feel inspired, and you feel like quitting. But when you figure out what the alternative is, it's worse. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, no, no I, I can't go there. Amen. The other thing is, <clears throat> I think when I, when I was young in life, I determined some things. Number one, I determined to be a man of integrity. You have to determine what you're going to be like. Once you set that parameter, you live by it. And as you live by it, it becomes your conviction and it becomes who you are. If you don't, if you're just kind of, oh, well, whatever. The other thing that I would encourage younger generation, get off the computer and get into your Bible. Get off the computer and get, you're not going to learn anything spiritual on your computer unless you have a Bible program on it. And, and it's like, it's like uh, we want to go somewhere, 
But tell me something. What price are you willing to pay? What, what are you willing to pay? What adversity will you endure to get to where you're going? Or are we just people who flow with the river, the least line of resistance? You know what? You're going to get nowhere. Absolutely nowhere. If I would have gone by my feelings and my conditions, we wouldn't be here today. But I went by, I'm going to be a man of integrity, and I want to honor the Lord. I want to do what he wants me to do, even though I didn't understand it all. God makes sure it is that way because it's a walk of faith, not a walk of what I know. It's a walk of what I'm believing for. Faith is not just what I believe. Faith is what am I expecting. So sometimes we can't articulate what we're expecting, but God already has the plan. And so to not face adversity with a determination is to actually fail. I don't know if that makes any sense to you, but we would not be here today if, if we gave up because of the stress and adversity we went through. We wouldn't be here today. We wouldn't be celebrating nothing. In fact, I would probably be the most miserable person on earth. So, <laughs> she says, and we'd be divorced. <laughs> like, where did that come from? <laughs> But I, I, I want to encourage you. <coughs> Just think of this. So what did God think of my mornings when I woke up and didn't want to come here? Do you think he was down on me? Not at all. He was just watching me. And at times, I would wake up in the morning totally, just totally discouraged. And this voice would come, I'm with you. I'm with you. And I got to thinking, Lord, you didn't stop Joseph from being rejected by his family. You didn't stop his brothers from selling him into slavery. In fact, you just went along with it. Because in the end, you knew who he was going to be. And it's the end that we look at, not the moment. And so adversity will take you to where you need to be because of who you are. Remember that. Don't ever think that you're going to get somewhere by taking the easy road. The easy road leads you to easy street, which the Bible says puts you in want. Mm -hmm. so, so to me, I think stick to is not necessarily an ingredient that I have. But it's a conviction that I have. Because we are never that. But the conviction always is. In other words, what I'm trying to say is, I am not always a determined person. But my conviction allows me to be a determined person. So what are my convictions? I want to please the Lord. I want to do his will, even though I don't understand it. Things are difficult, but I'm going through. So when you have nobody supporting you and you have nobody recommending you, what do you do? You serve God. Amen. That's all that's left. Amen. When you have... When you have very few people that you can go to for help, what do you do? You go to him. When you have people who criticize you and run you down over minute things that are very insignificant, what do you do? You keep going. You cannot allow adversity, opinions, attitudes determine your future. You can't do that because if you do, you will go into a million different directions. You'll be hit by all kinds of things, and you'll be so confused, you don't know where you're going. Yeah. 
But if you have a determination that I'm going to please God, I'm going to serve him, even though I don't understand everything, you will, he, he will see you through. Amen. Amen. Are you enjoying this? Awesome. We, we don't have time for you to text questions, but does anybody here have a question that if you could, you would ask? Oh, come on. There's got to be somebody here with a question. What, what I want to suggest to you is go to Tim Hortons. Amen. Any day of the week and any one of them, and you're going to just say, I'm looking for Pastor Nelson. And they may say, who's he? And you just show them a picture, and they'll say, oh, he was here yesterday. He'll probably be around later. But all joking aside, you need to take Pastor Nelson and Pastor Louise out for coffee. You need to buy them a coffee. It will be the best $3.75. And if you go to Starbucks, $3.95 that you could spend to get wisdom from a man and a woman of God who have paid the price, who have seen victories, who have stayed the course, and who are bound and determined to see God's will be done. And if you want that, you have that resource right here. You don't have to go across the country. It's right here. And I can't tell. You see how Pastor Nelson's dressed? He's been like that when he's, helped, when he's come to do plumbing. I have, I have learned... I have learned more myself, and I know Pastor, Nelson, uh, Pastor Daniel would say the same, and Pastor Sean would echo it. I have learned more from Pastor Nelson outside and away from the pulpit with a shovel in my hand or with a sewer snake going through the sewer. <laughs> learned more from him in those moments than I have in a church setting. So I... I've got one more question to ask them, but I, I just want to tell you, you have a resource. Don't ask me for coffee. Ask Pastor Nelson for coffee. <laughs> ask Pastor Louise for coffee because they will pour into you with no strings attached and no agenda except to see God be glorified and your, your success ahead of you. Anyway, that was free. One last question. The, the second to last one or the last one? Okay. And this is for both of you. When you look back at the 37 years plus the years of passion before that, what is the most rewarding thing that comes to your mind? For myself, um, I thought of the scripture verse in Third John, and it says, I have no greater joy than that my children walk in truth. And that's spiritual children too. Little do you know how many times just one glance at you tells me exactly what you're going through and I pray for you. You are our spiritual children and we love you. Well, my, my reward is based on the Lord's expectation. Um, his expectation is, and I learned this when I was in intensive care twice in one year. The last time I was there, God spoke to me and said, Nelson, if you want people to follow you, you take care of them. But you get them to follow me, I'll take care of them. At that point, I learned that taking care of people is his job, not mine. So he says, get them to follow me. And the greatest reward for me is when people follow and sold out for Jesus. That's, that's the only reward there really is. Because it's all about him. It's all about his provision. When you think of, think of the Father's will, for, when I think of the Father's will for my life, the sacrifice that Jesus made for my success 
and the power of the Holy Spirit to help me do it. What have I got to do? Just yield and follow. I know that sounds simple, but in a lot of ways it is. So I had to lay aside what I actually believed. The reason why I did that is because I realized that a lot of people believe different things, and I had to try to not make what I believe the issue, but the person is the reason. And it's people who are the reason, not what I believe. It's very important because it keeps you away from adversity. And it causes one to see somebody through the eyes of Jesus, the call of Jesus, to follow Jesus, to walk with Jesus, not my view. Doesn't, believe I don't believe, doesn't mean I don't believe anything. But I have found out that Jesus wants all of us to follow him, and he said he would make us. That's the greatest reward in my life. Amen. Amen. Thank you both for sharing with us this morning. That's been awesome. Can you guys give them a big... Um, you all have been uh, sitting for a while now, so if I can get everybody to stand. Nope, no, we're not done yet. It's okay. I know. If I can have everybody stand, thank you for the beautiful flowers. Those are gorgeous. I see hydrangeas and snapdragons, two of my favorites. Oh, okay, so if everybody's standing, if you have been at Solid Rock for more than one year, stay standing. Okay. Welcome to all of you who just sat down. <laughs> we are really glad that you decided to join us in this last year. That's awesome. If you have been at Solid Rock for more than five years, stay standing. Five years. Okay. If you have been at Solid Rock for more than 10 years, stay standing. Okay. If you have been at Solid Rock for more than 15 years, stay standing. Okay. Um, if you have been at Solid Rock for more than 20 years, <laughs> if your name ends in Stratulat or Stunenberg, please sit down. <laughs> if you have been at Solid Rock for more than 25 years, stay standing. I <laughs> if you have been at Solid Rock for more than 30 years, So, Pastor Sean, I think we, we have, can you put that slide up, Cora? I think we have, Pastor Sean. Sean's in the white shirt. Sean is in the white shirt. I think we have two more. Pastor Sean, if you could just come up. Yeah. Okay, so this picture is actually when we went in the bank. We actually had Sunday school in the bank vaults, if you can imagine. I have pictures of my children. But this was a, the teen Sunday school class. And then the third one. And this is uh, <laughs> Pastor David's in the middle. Pastor Sean with his long hairs on the outside. And they were with Pastor Nelson in Japan. And that was, I think, the first and last time the two of you went to Japan. So it was that impactful. <laughs> so, Pastor Sean, you may choose. There's red or uh, brown or or black, Passion Translation Bible. Awesome. Okay, you're welcome. Hey, I get <laughs> We used to go out for dinner, and Sean and Derek were just little. And uh, we would go out every Sunday, out for dinner, and that lasted until I had children. <laughs> and then we ditched you. We said, no, there's no more. We're going home and having a nap. Okay. I was thinking of uh, memories, too. Um, Pastor David, uh, when, when we first started coming, he was actually doing youth, too. 
So I remember this one time he took us, uh, me, my brother, and one other youth to take us out for camping. Uh, <laughs> we were going to camp at Harrison, I believe. We went out there, had all this stuff, and I think the lot didn't work or we, we couldn't get the spot. So what do you do with kids, camping equipment, and nowhere to go? So we pitched our tents on like Harrison Beach <laughs> for the night. I've never seen anybody else do that, <laughs> but it was a great experience. <laughs> That's awesome. Okay, so we have one more Bible. I think Pastor David has it there. Okay, so who was born? Is there anybody here who was born in 1981? Stand up. Oh, wow. Okay, well, we, we were trying to figure it out. We were going through lists trying to see. Okay, so when's your birthday? June. Okay, we're going closest to May, May 5th, so... January, April, October. Selena? Or, so Selena, when's your birthday? April 11? And yours is on the 26th. Oh, so, so Selena? I don't know. I'm not so good at math, so. <laughs> All right. There you go. You're as old as this church. Awesome. Awesome. I had one last thing I wanted to say. Pastor Nelson said in a little bit. Um, but I want to make a prophetic declaration to all of you today. Don't give up. Dream big. And expect God. Don't make it complicated. We live in an age of complication and simple is the new. Keep it simple. Keep pursuing. As some people say, keep the main thing the main thing. And we can sometimes get so messed up because our 16 different steps and this and that didn't work out. When God says, follow me. Follow me. So dream big, expect God, and don't give up. In closing, what I'd love you to do is if you're in your seats and at your table, if it's, oh, is there something else? There's one last thing? Okay, I want to pray at the end, so, okay. So this was going to be said when we presented the flowers, but <laughs> that's good. <laughs> You know, I just wanted to take a moment uh, as a congregation to, to honor uh, our pastors. I don't know this morning if you were blessed by the conversation they had, but I was. I was deeply blessed. What we got fed this morning was incredible. Right? It wasn't simply a prepared sermon. It was something existing of a life of serving God. Right? We have one generation of pastors that helped build the foundation and another generation that's helping to take us forward off that foundation. We're not off the foundation. But <laughs> <Is that awesome? laughs> we we want to honor, uh, honor you both. If we could just have everybody take a stand. We are so blessed uh, that God has let you be part of our lives. Thank you, pastors. Actually, just stay standing, and we're just going to close in prayer. But what I'd like to do is, at your tables, if you could just connect hands at your table and join hands, one with another, and I'm going to pray, and as I pray, I would like you just to pray that out loud with me and pray it over those on your table. Heavenly Father... Oh, sorry, excuse me for one second. Olivia, go over there. 
Heavenly Father, I pray for the person on my right that you would abundantly bless, that you would open up their eyes, that they would see the goodness and the faithfulness of you. And Lord, for the person on my left, that you would give them double, that they would expect more, that they would pursue, that they would hear the words today and let them bear fruit in their lives. Thank you, Jesus, and Lord, I just pray a blessing over everyone here today that you would bless them and keep them and cause your face to shine upon them. In your precious name, amen.